0: you're listening to the revision path podcast a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers web designers and web developers through in-depth interviews you'll learn about their work their goals and what inspires them as creative individuals here's your host maurice
1: cherry welcome once again to the revision path podcast my name is maurice cherry And as always, before we get into this week's interview, I have to give it up for our wonderful sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every day. Sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. Do you need a new domain for your next project, then check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. Hover also has this new feature called Hover Connect, which lets you easily connect your domain to a Shopify site or a Tumblr site or something like that. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code ROADTO100 and save 10% off your purchase. That's R-O-A-D-T-O-1-0-0, 0 to 100 Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more, starting at only $2 per item. They give away a selection of free goods every Monday. Of course, today is Monday. And they've got great bundle promotions every month. And if you see something else that you like while you're there, use our promo code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. Now here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. We are now up to 19 patrons for a combined total of $150 per month. Again, huge, huge thanks to everyone that has been donating, that has been pledging your support and appreciation for the show. It really means a lot. It really helps keep the show going. So if you want to become a patron of Revision Path, you've really gotten some great value from these interviews and from the people that I've been talking with. You can join and become a patron and you'll get access to really good perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes, or a monthly Google Hangout with me and other Revision Path supporters. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path. Make that happen. Pledge levels are super cheap at $1 per month. I know you have a dollar. I know you have a dollar. $1 per month. That's all it takes to become a patron. All right, now on to this week's interview. I talked with Alicia Carr. Alicia is an iOS mobile engineer here in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's start the show.
0: All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Alicia Carr. I am the CEO and founder of the Purple Pocket Book. I am also the first African American self taught mobile engineer to create the first domestic violence app for the state of Georgia. Wow. That's impressive. Thank you.
1: So the Purple Pocketbook, tell me about that organization. And uh, from what I could tell just from doing my research, it sounds like the app was born out of the organization. Is
0: that right? Well, actually, it was a person gave me an idea. Actually, while I was learning to be a mobile developer, a friend of mine who was being like a, a tutor to me said that once I've gotten it down pat, he wanted us to work together to create a domestic violence app. And when he said that to me, I was like started crying because um, domestic violence has been a huge part of my life as far as dealing with mom, friends and family. So it all stemmed from him giving me the idea. And that's how I knew that I need to continue to create that mobile app. What
1: are the next steps for the app now that it's out there and it's starting to get, you know, a little bit of press and everything?
0: Well, right now we're working on making it national. At first, it wasn't supposed to be anything. But me and him bumped heads on how the app should be because he wanted to focus on, let's focus it on corporate America. Me, I was focusing it on the victims. And so at some point, I was like, well, you know, hey, I finally learned how to create an app. I want to get a job making six figures, you know. Ooh, take Tell my husband he can quit his job. And, uh, you know, I can just, you know, sit back and just create mobile apps. So right. when the app was finished, it was May 2nd when Apple finally approved it. You know, I was, that was emotional to me. I said, like, thank you, Jesus. All that was just, just driving me crazy to get it through and everything. And when I finally got it through, I didn't do anything with the app. So I was putting out my resume, you know, saying that I created an app and putting it out there. And, you know, I didn't push it or anything. It was sitting in iTunes with no downloads for about, I'd say about four or five months. And then Ray Rice started acting up. And it was all over the news with Ray Rice and my husband and my children and all my girlfriends who knew about the app said, oh, what are you doing? We're like, what do you mean? Well, you need to start promoting the app. This is your time to piggyback on what he did. So I reached out to the assistant district attorney in Baldassa because I saw an article that she wrote about they were needing help for in the community with domestic violence and so I sent her an email, and she invited me to the Valdasa um, Domestic Violence Task Force. I met with a bunch of people there, and they all loved the app. Everybody loved the app. And that's what happened. That's where it goes from there.
1: What kind of feedback have you received from women that have used it?
0: I have got mostly feedback from like social workers, police okay. officers, women in shelters, they love the app because of the resource, because it's a tool. It really is a tool. It helps women to what, need to know what they need to do if they're ever in that situation. Now, I have talked to a lot of women who are in corporate America, IT. I've talked to women who know of women who are, were victims, that were lawyers and doctors. And one of the ladies even was a, a wife to a politician. And in government, and she basically downloaded the app and told me how much she loved the app. At that point, you know, I wasn't really thinking about doing anything else with the app at this point because, you know, I'm a meme. It's me doing it all by myself. I really don't have no help. I didn't have no help really building or making the app even more. And she told me that I really do need to take the app to the next level because technology is changing. And victims need the resources to have access to it because as a victim, there's things you just can't do as a victim. You can't get on the Internet. You can't, you know, your phones can't be used a certain kind of way. And so she said that your app is very powerful. Just take it to the next level. So I started to, you know, really think about that, to really decide to take that app to the next level. And currently right now, that's what I'm working on, making it national. Okay. Um,
1: I have a question here. This comes from Adrian, who is one of our, our Patreon patrons. What other features would you like to add to the app in the future?
0: Right now we're working on adding to the app the app where a woman will shake the phone it will automatically send a text to one of her contacts, emergency contacts. Also, we're adding to it where you take a picture of your bruises to store it for the purpose of if you have to go to the police, to document it. So it's going to be a journal. We're working on adding a journal to it to document each and every incident you have, as well as to take pictures of your bruises to document it for future cases. Because I realized after doing a lot of research and, you know, seeing a lot of news articles that when a woman is being abused, I saw some like stars. They took pictures of their bruises. They stand in the mirror and they was taking pictures of their bruises. And I was like, wow, this would be a great idea, you know, to allow them to take the pictures of their bruises and store it inside the app. So if they ever have to go to the police to prove that they were abused, they have that documented because with the phone, there's a time and date stamp on it. So those were the functions that we decided to add to it for our future update.
1: So is there any sort of a a conflict between kind of promoting the app as it is to those that might need it while still keeping it pretty small? Because, you know, right now, like you said, it's just for the state of Georgia.
0: Well, you know what's so bad about this, Maurice, is that a lot of the people who are downloading the app, i got more publicity outside of the state of Georgia. Hmm. So, I mean, for example, I had a person from St. Cloud, Minnesota. I think he was assistant district attorney. He reached out to me. He emailed me, and he's like, "We're interesting in wanting to for you to do an app for us in the state of, of you know in St. Cloud, Minnesota." And I contacted him, and he basically told me, "He's like, this is well, let me tell you something. You know your app. I had an interview. I did some research. I found your app. I took your app into the interview, and I got the job. So that tells me that somebody else." You're getting paid off of my app. (laughs) (laughs) He took it to an interview and got a job as an assistant district attorney. In return, Hmm. they want me to add their state onto the app. So, again, I'm seeing that Georgia is getting it for free right now. And that's, you know, again, statistics have shown that Georgia is probably in the top 10 for the highest in domestic violence. And I was doing a lot of research and finding out every 24 hours, 60,000 people report domestic violence. In over one year, 24 million people report domestic violence. So we have a problem. We seriously have a problem. And so if it takes one state reaching out to me, even though they're not here, I did something right.
1: So speaking of other places reaching out to you,
0: Did Apple reach out to you as well? Yes. Well, actually, I actually volunteer my time at Women Who Code. And Women Who Code is a nonprofit organization that helps women learn how to become the coders. They, you know, HTML, CSS. I teach an iOS mobile development group and teach an iOS development. We do like a study group. I, you know, found some videos to help them and guide them. Well, I've been with them a year. And they said, Leisha, hey, Apple is offering a scholarship to go to the WWDC-15. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, I'll go. If they, want me, if they let me go, I'll go. And because I worked with them, with Women Who Code, I got to go for free, fully paid, for free. Airfare, yes. hotel tickets, everything. And it was amazing. And so, Elena... Who is the CEO and founder of Women Who Code? Just so happened to mention to them that I have a domestic violence app. And so, what I did is, I got a t shirt. A friend of mine's named Darryl, Darryl Lou. Said, Alicia, get a bunch of T-shirts and wear them while you're at the event." Because I'm thinking about, okay, I want to look cute. You know, I want to wear a nice dress, put some pretty colors on. You know, that's what I want to do when I get to W. Because you know, I'm a woman, and you know, they ain't gonna have too many women there, so it's better look cute. So he said, "Instead of worrying about looking cute, why don't you get a T-shirt? You know, letting them know who you are." So what I did was, I went and got a T-shirt. And I put on the front, the Perfect Pocketbook app, asked me about the Perfect Pocketbook app. And on the back, I said, thank you, WWC, Women Who Code, for getting me a scholarship to the WWDC-15. I took a picture. My husband took a picture of it. I then sent it to several people, well, one of the ladies at Apple, who set up the, the whole thing for us to go. And apparently they must have did some research on what I did. And when I went to the scholarship front, they asked me, they would love to put me on their live page for their live Apple event for the keynote. And that's how I got the picture on the front of Apple.
1: So how was the experience there? What did you learn?
0: What I've learned is that there was very few blacks there. Very, very few blacks there with the main event, which was the scholarship event. And a lot of them were... Who, they have nonprofits. Very few of them had apps. And these were people who had, were nonprofit organizations who were doing good in the community with Apple, and Apple invited them to it. What we did do is, while I was there, we had took a lot of the, the Black people that were there, we got together and took a picture because we were, like, all reaching out together. And it was just, I'm like, there was other, like, there were Hispanics and there was some Asian, but, you know, we got together and we mm-hmm. took a picture Apple then seen that and took advantage by taking a picture as well of us. And it was just a small group of us. And it was kind of different, you know, for me, because I was expecting that Apple would have had more women or more people there as minorities at the events, at this particular event. And so what happened was that I basically spoke out and I was like, listen, you you know, this is amazing. I don't see that y'all have opened the door enough for women. For me, and I'm going to tell you honestly, I think I was probably the only black woman on their live key event that had their name on there. Okay? And being that I was only 51 years old, so that speaks of, okay, now they've seen that they have to make a change because what 51-year-old woman is going to sit down and teach herself how to become a mobile developer and learn iOS Objective-C? So for them, they were like... Okay, Alicia, you know, we we really need to see where we at and, you know, how we're doing things to cater to not only the minority, but to women. So, I believe by me being there, kind of put them off track to understand that there's something that they need to focus on or work on. Mm-hmm. Would you go back to WWDC? Oh, I'm definitely going back to WWDC. I'm definitely going back. In fact... What I'm doing right now is I'm actually with the group of women I'm teaching at the Women Who Code. I'm teaching them how to code. And I told them our project, what we're going to do is we're going to learn Objective-C. We're going to learn Swift. And then we're going to create an app with the group. And then we're going to submit that app next year for the WWDC scholarship. Because that's something that they haven't done. All the people that was in the scholarship were children. There were teenagers, there were children, they were from all over the world. But there was none of them, there were few minorities. And you know, okay, let's say this, Maurice. Let, let me be honest. A lot of the kids who were there were either Asian, Indian, from overseas, and there were very few, a half, maybe a handful of black kids there. Okay, that was there. The women and the men were all from of how would you say nonprofit organizations they did not have an app not not too many of them know how to code but they got scholarships to go so they were the faculty they were the faculty okay so what i want what i'm trying to do i'm trying to change this because i basically gave feedback to apple and i basically told them this i was like well you know i see that you have scholarship for kids you need to have scholarship for minority and women I'm trying to change it right now. As of right now, I'm telling these women that I'm working with, this is what we're going to do. We're going to create an app, and we're going to submit it to Apple because you're all going to get a free scholarship to go to WWDC because there wasn't no women who had apps in the group to be able to go there. So I'm trying to change the requirements right now for Apple.
1: That's one thing that I see a lot of conferences doing, a lot of tech conferences specifically, is that they have these sort of diversity scholarships for people to attend that might not be able to attend through the regular means of purchasing like a thousand dollar ticket or what have you, they can apply in some sort of way to still attend the event. And it's interesting, uh, the kind of pushback that those things get. Generally, the pushback comes from the people that can't afford to pay the full price to go, that are, you know, maybe closer to the conference or that are in the industry or have been in the industry for a little bit longer. They sort of look down their nose at, people that have gotten these diversity scholarships and I've heard this from people from several people that have gotten like diversity scholarships to conferences. It's like, they'll go and yeah, they they might be the only person of color there. They might be the only woman there. They might be the only person of color that is a woman that's there. And then sort of having this feeling of being looked down upon by the other attendees, because either you got there on scholarship or I don't know, because you got there on scholarship, the notion is that maybe you weren't supposed to be there in the first place.
0: Well, I didn't get that feel when I was at Apple. Okay. I, I mean, in fact, when I went to the keynote, there was a young guy who was Korean from Korea, South Korea, took a picture of me. And he's like, You was on you was on the, the page. Yeah, and took a picture of me and put it all over his Facebook page. Which was amazing because a lot of the the people who attended who paid for the ticket acknowledged the fact that they need to be a change amongst the industry. A lot of them came to me and said, we, you know, I'm just so glad that you were there. And I'm glad that you showed your face. And I'm glad that you're a female mobile developer at your age. I did not get nothing. In the time I was, while I was there for the seven days, everything was beautiful and positive. And there was even people there. You ever heard of Alconf, c. There were people who were at the o even mentioned, you know, we would love for you to come if possible next year to speak for us because, you know, that one is free. I mean, even now there's people reaching out to me and saying that, I mean, it's almost like they say you need to be the spokesperson for how this is all turning out for you because, you know, for your age and for what you've done and how you got to where you're at, it's just amazing so all the men at the men I mean, I have met, <laughs> I met a guy named Charles from Utah. His name, I can't remember his first name, her last name, but Charles from Utah. And when he found out what I did, I reached out to him several times and all he has done is helped me. There's a young boy named Julian from Austria, has a small business. He's a millionaire. So he just left to go back home because he was in New York a couple of months. And I reached out to him and he helped me add some code to my app. It's just amazing the the whole event was just amazing because I met so many amazing people that all they want to do is help me make this happen even better than what it is.
1: That's amazing. That's wonderful to hear. Because I I think because we hear so much stuff out of the tech industry about how vile it is as it deals with, you know, racism and sexism and ageism, whether that's with hiring, whether it's at conferences with code of conduct and, and things like that. But it's it's really good to hear that you've had a generally positive experience.
0: But you know that you know what my app is doing is fighting a cause. Right, right. You know what I'm saying. So now, if I was not doing an app and looking for a job, now uh, that's a whole different. That's a whole different <laughs> area right there. It's
1: yeah. a whole different ball game. Yeah, that's game. a yeah.
0: whole different ball game. Whole different ball game. So, how did you sort of first get started
1: with iOS development?
0: Oh, that's a good story. We were. Getting our first iPad. I think the first one was 2011, 2010. I can't remember. But getting my first iPad, I was online, seeing this 16-year-old boy. Now, you know, Maurice, I'm old school. <laughs> them, them iPads were a couple of hundred. They wasn't no $200. These iPads were four, dollars $500. Yeah. 16-year-old boy in front of me. And I was like, what you doing here? He's going to buy me an iPad. I was like, how are you getting the money? He said, Well, i built an app and I'm a millionaire i get it. I was like, wait a minute. How are you So you went to college, you know, you 16 years old, how are you you must, you know, you know how you got those smarty kids, you know, you thinking, okay, you skip high school, go to college. He's like, no, I learned off YouTube. I was like, oh, I wanna do what you do. I want to I be like you. I told my husband, I said, baby, he learned how to do it on YouTube. I wanna do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2012 my husband said why don't you do some research and find out you know how to become a mobile developer and I'm like okay so I did some research and you know back then it hadn't quite blown up like it is right now mm-hmm. so you know there was a bunch of books and I reached out to a group called or meetup called the iOS developers Atlanta iOS developers group and I joined the group and I asked a question I said hey Hey, where can I learn how to do iOS? You know, Objective C. And of course, they said, you know, Big Nerve Ranch. You know, I couldn't afford that. Big Nerve Ranch was running between, I think it was like six to ten thousand dollars, something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was a two week crash course. And you know, of course, I reached out to them and told them. I said, Hey, listen, I live in Atlanta. Can you lower the price without the hotel and everything? And they like, no. I, um, one of the guys who I was telling you about, he reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I can teach you how to become a mobile developer. And then there was another guy who was like, you know, he was starting a class in Atlanta and it was a $1,000, but the problem was, was that he would teach him from a book. So why are you going to charge me a $1,000 when you teach him from a book? I was like, oh, hell no. Give my money back. (laughs) You could just get the book. Yeah, the book was $50. I was like, oh, no, give my money back. You know, I had to fight with him about my money, but I got some of it back. Went ahead, started learning from the books. It took me a year and a half to get to down pack. And then I found an online course. It was three months. It was $125. I started in 2013, in like beginning of October 2013. It was a three-month course. I finished the course in December. And that's when I finally built the confidence. I had the confidence to start building the app. Because in between that time, I just didn't feel comfortable. I felt I didn't learn enough. It was hard to find somebody to really reach out to help me. You know, even though the person that was helping me, he made it very difficult. I felt that he wasn't teaching me. You know what I'm saying? He was more ordering me around or telling me I wasn't doing something right. And I just didn't, with that, I still didn't have the confidence. So once I finished up the course, I was able to start building the app January 2014.
1: And that app was, of course, the Purple Pocketbook. Correct.
0: Correct. What other types of apps would you like to build? We know I'm a Zumba instructor. And so my husband's like, you need to build an app for Zumba. It's like an Instagram or Zumba app. So I was gradually working on that until I realized I was like, I can't do it because a purple Backer book is becoming even it's becoming more popular. Well, not more, it's just getting a lot of Publicity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, with people saying, you know, take it to the next level, a lot of the things I want to do, I have to put on the back burner.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. You want to go where, you know, what's hot, what's going on right mm-hmm. now. And now, so you, you mentioned that you were a Zoom instructor. You know, as I was looking through your bio and looking at your LinkedIn page, I saw that, you know, of course, before I came into app development, you were a Zoom instructor, you did photography, you were a life coach. How have all these kind of past experiences sort of shaped you? <laughs> To where you are now?
0: Oh, I mean, the Zumba, I love to dance. I'm sorry. I figure like, if I could exercise and dance, I might as well have a good time doing it. I love Latin music. I'm from New York. We like to shake it, shake it, <laughs> shake it. <laughs> so I, I was like, I just love doing that. And then the life coach came when my girlfriend, Shanita. My girls was like, every time they have a situation, they call Alicia. You know, it's like, okay, Alicia you've been married, Alicia, you've been married longer than us, so you know what we're going through. I was like, okay, 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 okay. What's what's the the problem? What's the problem? So it was always like, Alicia, you know what we're going through. So my girlfriend's like, Alicia, since we always call you, why don't you just become a certified life coach? And I was like, okay. So I became a life coach and was able, you know, I work with women who are work on relationships. You know, I've been married, I'm bad going on 34 years. Okay. So congratulations. Thank you. And I like I got three grown children, eight grandbabies. And so and I tell them everything I've been through, my girls was like, Hey, I know you've been through this, so how do you handle it? I basically just, you know, coached them. And I coached so many people that I got to the point I'm tired of coaching. <laughs> It was <laughs> like, y'all taking a strain on the system brain, girl. Y'all just taking a strain. I just don't want to deal with it. So now if I do coach, it's only for very, very close friends or people, you know, if my girlfriend said, Alicia, you know, my girl need help, then I will do that. You know, It's so on a personal, private level right now.
1: And I guess, you know, with all these experiences, you bring a certain level of kind of empathy and vitality to, you know, this industry, which... I mean, not saying that it's not like that, but it's, it's kind of not like that.
0: I've been through a lot. I really have. And, you know, but that's because, you know, also I'm like 52, 53 years old. I can't even remember how old I am. Ain't that something? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in life, you know, you just grow and you kind of understand. I start to understand what I really, you know, what really life is all about. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, you don't piss me off. You know, you know, you get that point in your life. You're like, hey, don't cross me. Don't piss me off because I'm going to go off for you. And I try to avoid that. I really try to avoid that kind of confrontation because I love life so much that I will, you know, just basically smile. And my husband's like, you talk to everybody. You just nice to everybody. It's not that I'm nice. It's just that if I'm happy, you're happy. And I don't like seeing somebody not happy. So if I'm going to a register and I see you get a little uh -uh, attitude, I was like, hey, baby, you having a bad day. (laughs) You don't need to have a bad day, child, please. You here, aren't you? Yes, I am. Then you need to be smiling because every day, every day ain't going to be like that. You know, so I have to take life as it is. And I love feeling good. It's just I just love the feeling good because. I met this guy. I was in New York City because my arm is sick, so I have to go back and forth, take care of my arm. I met this young guy, and he was on train. and He's trying to get in the train with his big old bags. He's like, I just came back from Italy. I was like, you go, boy. I said, I said "Y'all yeah, lived in Europe. He's like, really? I said, yeah. He's like, and he was like, he said, why are you so happy? I was like, you have to be. You live life because you have to. You enjoy everything you have. He said, I went to Italy, used up everything on my credit card. I said, Well, that's what you have to do to live life because you know what? When you die, you can't take that with you. That's right. So you enjoy every bit of it. And I am enjoying every bit of it because everything I'm living right now is my dream coming true.
1: If you weren't doing this right now, what do you think you would be working on?
0: Me, I do a little bit of everything, I'm a photographer. I'll probably take pictures. Probably still be working as an administrative assistant at an environmental company. I mean, I'm the kind of person I explore everything. I don't let anything not stop me from doing anything. I mean, seriously, I try in everything. I told my husband we could be. If you lose your job right now, we probably go into foreclosure. Everything. I'll take my last bit of money. Let's go to. Let's fly to the Bahamas and live on the beach. Call it a day. Die there. I'm just want to live my life. So I try everything. I mean, I want to dip and dab into HTML, CSS, but I can't because I got this app and any other code in my head will probably confuse me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was about to ask, like, what kind of other projects and things are you working on right now? Is it just strictly about purple pocketbook at this point? Right now,
0: yes, it's all about the purple pocketbook right now. It's all about the... right now I have a family member who's sick and I'm really I'm her niece and I'm going back and forth taking care of her. If I didn't have to deal with that, I think that I could have put something else on my plate right now, but right now I'm just overwhelmed. So at this point, it's handling her and handling the purple pocketbook. Those are the only two that I can worry about right now. <laughs>
1: So I'm curious, what's a typical day like for you? Does a typical day exist?
0: I guess I should ask you. Well, you know, in the morning I say, okay, let me tell you my routine. Husband has to get up, be to work at 5, 30 in the morning, so I get up with him. I make his green tea, make sure he gets his vitamins, make his lunch bag, make his meal, put him in the car, kiss him off, take him out the way, make my cup of coffee, make my smoothie, go upstairs, have my smoothie and my lemon water, on the table, okay. Check my emails, have the TV on while I'm in the bed, sleep. <laughs> 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 then I go back to sleep. And then what? I get up around about nine o'clock, eat breakfast. Mondays and Wednesdays, I go to kickboxing at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. In between that time, I'm actually coding. So right before I go to kickboxing, I'm working on the app. When I come back, I'm working on the app, talking to, you know, everybody who's helping me during the week or interviews, like when you go you, call me, contact me for an interview. So it's like, that's my typical day. And normally I'm trying to work on much as the app is possible with little time I have during the week.
1: Well, it sounds like the good thing is that now that you have this focus to work on, you sort of can plan your day out around all of that. Like I know there are people that are working and they have to try to Get in any sort of other stuff they do with their apps or their side projects at night when they get home from work and that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: I mean, my husband, I love him to death. He allowed me to quit my job to do this. He believes in me because he knows that when I put my mind to something, I'm just like I'll do it. He knows I'll do it. He knows that this app is going to take me to the next level. He knows that, and. I have to really. There's so many people I have to thank for that because you know, for me to have this app. I mean, because I think I was at a point. I think in April that I was like, I'm through. I ain't doing this no more. Let me go ahead, go find a job. I'll go work at Starbucks or do admin work. I thought I was through with creating this app. In April, I met Daryl Lou, and I met him at Starbucks. Me, and my my aunt, and my son was sitting there having some coffee. And Daryl Lou was like, you know, of course, Atlanta is the hot place now for doing movies. And one of the movie crew was out there and he was like, hey, you need any extras? And I said, hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and so when that happened, I started talking to him and I told him my story and he blogged about me. So when I thought I was going to be not doing anything with the app, I land up doing started to it actually rebranded me as this 51-year-old grandma who taught herself how to be a mobile developer. And we've been friends ever since. Daryl Lou has helped me rebrand myself by creating this 51-year-old grandmother that became an iOS developer that created a mobile app for domestic violence. And I'm so thankful for him because I think that, you know, It was meant for me to meet him. I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. I believe everything happens for a reason. There is no mistakes or no accidents in life. I believe that wholeheartedly. And so he then connected up to Hypopotamus, And then Hypopotamus then put my story out there. And from there, I've been blowing up ever since. And with that happening, I then get an email in June from the Purple Purse. And I had reached out to them last year with my app and nobody responded. So apparently they must have seen something of me. Somebody seen something of me out there and contacted me and told me I was infringing on their name. So, again, everything happens for a reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to end up renaming the foundation, renaming the app and everything. I have to
0: rename everything.
1: Have you thought about what you're going to call
0: it? Oh, I've already. Yeah, I already have a name for it and everything. Yeah. Right now we're working on getting the business license and for the actual name of the new business act. And we're not going to be a nonprofit anymore. I have people who told me that was not necessary. (laughs) 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 And so I'm like, I got you.
1: (laughs) So, what keeps you motivated to to do all this? I mean, just from talking with you, I can tell you have like this this boundless energy and enthusiasm. What gets you going? What keeps you inspired?
0: I told one of my friends this, and I tell, and I guess I told a lot of people this. I have bodyguards. I have bodyguards. They make sure I don't have no drama around me. None. <laughs> My daughter, my husband, my girl, Tony, my girl, Shanita, my girl, Brandy, all of them make sure I don't have no drama around me. They don't. Last week I was crying. Oh my God. Oh my God. My was like, I need need a psychiatrist. She said, okay, give me about two hours. Let me land off the plane. I'll give you a call. (laughs) So I have my days. Don't get me wrong. But I make sure I have people around me that keep me motivated. So every morning, I make sure I cry. I have a good cry because, you know, there's always somebody who's doing something good and make you want to cry to feel happy for them, and I have a good laugh. And Jimmy Fowler makes me laugh each and every time, him and Steve Harvey. I'll just watch <laughs> a couple of videos over Facebook, die laughing, and I start my day. And I always start my day. I always start my day by saying, you know, God is good. God in the universe to make sure everything has happened to me and this is where I'm at and this is why I'm here.
1: Where do you see yourself in like the next like five years or so? Where do you see yourself?
0: I'll be what in my sixties then? Oh no, 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 I won't. I will. I'll be just before sixty. I'm hoping to be laying on the beach in five years, have a Caribbean coffee shop and breakfast place, me and my husband just running. That's what I see myself in five years. <laughs> I
1: think that's a good and attainable plan. You know, you, that's something you can really work towards. Like, you, you know, I ask most people that question. And generally, it, you know, I plan on like still working, still doing this. You're the first person that has been like, I'm going to just do something completely different.
0: I just want to enjoy life. What I'm doing right now with this app is I know I'm going to be helping so many women out there. To know that there's 20 million victims of domestic violence out there that is happening in a year, is just, for me, it's just sad. But I know that a lot of those women do not report their crime. They don't report. When they call the hotline, they're looking for help for a place to stay. You know, a lot of them are not calling to say, okay... I'm reporting a crime. They want to get out of the situation. And a lot of times when they try to get out, they let them get right back into that situation. So I'm not a victim. I'm a child of domestic violence. I lived it with my mother. My daughter is a victim. Okay? I've seen her go through it. My girlfriend died from it. I've seen my other girlfriend get abused by men. And for me, being that they consider me an outsider and... For me, I'm sitting there like you would and like the, maybe some of the women in the audience would or the men will. They would like, say, well, why don't you just get out? You know what situation that you're in. But what they don't understand is, and I totally understand, is that they don't believe they're in that situation. They don't believe they're victims. A lot of them don't believe they're victims. A lot of them feel that they can fix where they're at or fix the problem they're in or work with the man they're with. A lot of them are, don't have a job. A lot of them don't have the money. So for me or you or anybody out there to tell a woman, well, you need to get out of it, we have to first understand how or why they're in it. Right. And we got to understand also that they need help to get out of it. You know, we can talk it, But do you understand, do they not have a job? Do you understand how they control their money? Do you understand how they control the environment? Do you understand that, you know, for them to get out, they have to save up a certain amount of money? And I mean, I hear this from, I mean, my Facebook page, there's women who reach out to me all the time and they ask them for help. I can't help them. All I do is I have an app. And I have to reach out to other people to give them the resource information to take. This is how you need to get out of your situation. And so this is why the app needs to go national.
1: Are you where you wanted to be at at this stage in your life?
0: Oh, definitely. I am so happy. Oh, so excited. So passionate. So I just love where I'm at in my life. And each day gets better and better. And sometimes I'm surprised at what you know, God in the universe is put in front of me because yesterday I would not think that I would be talking to you to be interviewed about what I'm doing with an app. That's something to me is something new and amazing for me. Well,
1: just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you online? Where can they download the app? All of that. Where can they find out more and, and follow what you're doing?
0: Well, I am on Twitter under purple pocketbook and that's purple without the E. I'm also on Facebook under Purple Pocketbook. I'm also on LinkedIn under Alicia Carr. You can email me. You can email me purplepocketbook at Gmail. Also, I have a website called thepurplepocketbook.org.
1: All right. Sounds good. Alicia Carr, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, for talking to me about the work that you're doing and really just this enthusiasm that you have for the work that you're doing and and the app and just like this overall joy and zest for life it's it's amazing to be a part of it so thank you for sharing that with us
0: thank you maurice for interviewing me you know i love you boy
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that's it for this week big thanks to alicia carr and thanks to you for listening You can find out more about Alicia and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes down to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They have great reporting and autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover, and save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code ROADTO100 at checkout. And lastly, there's Creative Market, a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com and pick up those six free goods that are available for free every Monday. And if you see something else that you like, use our discount code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, This Is My Tape For You, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is a 318 Media Project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.